Well, good morning, Connect. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but in 1996, the makers of Dumb and Dumber, the Fairley Brothers, they produced one of the most underrated sports comedies of all time. It's a movie called Kingpin. Has anybody seen that before? And in the movie, if you've never seen it before, um, it's about a guy named Woody Harrelson. He's the actor playing. He's a bowling legend. And he actually reaches out to an Amish youth that he meets at a bowling alley, played by Randy Quaid. And he tries to convince this young Amish boy to leave his community, to grow up and to live the dream by following him and joining the professional bowler circuit. And um, it's a hilarious movie. And while it didn't get very high ratings from Rotten Tomatoes, it actually highlights a very interesting piece of Amish history. How many of you ever heard the word rumspringa? Have you ever heard that before? Yeah, so rumspringa literally means running around. And it's a word that's used to describe a practice in the Amish community. Not every Amish community does it, but many of them do. And it's where they allow teenagers, usually about the age of 14 to 16, to go away, to leave their community on the weekends, and to do whatever they want, to run around, to... Uh, go crazy. Um, I've, I've actually met some people and I've heard stories about those crazy Amish barn parties. You know, those the, they get crazy on this rum spring. And the whole kind of purpose of it is that the Amish people think that if they do this and kind of sow their wild oats while they're young, that when they have to make a decision, um, that they'll remain in the community. But whenever they're done with their rum spring at time, they have a decision to make. They can uh, keep going on what they think is this rumspringa and live with the English and kind of turn their back on the Amish community, or they can be baptized into the church and they'll stay with the Amish community forever. And, you know, as I look out, as I looked out first service and see you this morning, there's probably not too many people who are Amish here at Connect, um, but I think that there are a few and I would include myself, that maybe we've gone through a period of rumspringa in our lives. You know, um, we might not call it rumspringa. We might call it freshman year. We might call it spring break. We might call it uh, midlife crisis and go out and buy a Harley and our wife doesn't know springa. You know, we might call it something like that. But I think that many of us understand this term rumspringa. Maybe we're even going through it right now. We've been running around. We're experimenting a little here and there. We're joining Woody Harrelson and going to Plaza Lanes and bowling. I don't know. But for whatever it is for you or what you've been through or someone in your life, I think you're used to that term of running around, wild living. You heard it about in the video of the, the prodigal son or the lost son in that story. And if you weren't able to make it this past weekend, I want to bring you up to speed. We just started a brand new series called Finding Your Way Back to God. And here at Connect Church, we are all about helping everyone, whether or not you grew up in the church or you're exploring faith today, we're all about helping us all find our way back to God. We're all in for Washington. You've been hearing that hashtag a lot, and we are all in for Washington to help us all come back to God. And last week we started this series and Dave spoke and we were going through this, uh, this parable, this story of the prodigal son or what's known as the lost son. And Jesus tells a story about a young man who's on a journey. 
And this ongoing journey, and it starts out kind of rough, but along the way, he finds his way back to the Father, and that Father represents God. And I don't know about you, but um, in my relationship with God, it hasn't always been a straight line. It hasn't always been perfect. It's been more of a back and forth. There's been certain times, uh, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, that I felt like I was turning my back on God. And eventually, thankfully, I found my way back, and it's an ongoing process, though. Just like any relationship, it's over and over. Uh, there's peaks and valleys. There's ups and downs. There's, there's times where we make bad decisions. There's times where we feel really close to God. And again and again, we find ourselves, maybe, even today, going through a little rum springer. In finding your way back to God, I'd love for you to remember this. Finding your way back to God is a life-changing moment, but it's also a life-growing process. And there are five awakenings that we're discovering together, and we're going to be covering these in this five-week series. And the first awakening that Dave introduced to us last week was this awakening to longing. And that really, that awakening is all about... Um, Longing for meaning, purpose, love. And, you know, it's these longings that give us this restless feeling that at some point in our lives we ask this question, there's got to be more in this life. But unfortunately, too often we take these God-given longings and instead of go closer to Him, we try to fulfill this need in other ways. We begin to chase stuff like relationships, money, career, pleasure. I'm not sure what it's been for you, but we all can be tempted to chase after and fulfill this longing that only God can really fill, but we don't always notice that. And sometimes we find ourselves with this saying to ourselves, oh, I wish I could start over. I wish I could restart. And that's the awakening that we're going to discuss this morning, this awakening to regret I wish I could start over. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever wished in some time in your life that you could start over? For me, it was this past week. There were some things that I wish I could start over. And I got in the doghouse, which is not, you know, out of the ordinary. But in the doghouse, um, there were some things that I said and I did that I really regret. And it ended up costing me some apologies and some ice cream shack. But, you know, that's not super expensive, and I don't know what it's been like in your life, but sometimes the regrets that we have can do serious damage. Maybe you've been at the other receiving end, and someone, you regret that they did what they did, and, and it caused problems in your relationships, and you wish that they would find their way back, but they haven't yet. My guess is, though, that we have all regretted something in our life, or we will. And a few moments ago, we heard the story of the lost son. And Jesus, he tells this story, and we're just going to focus on a couple verses this morning. And just two key things with this awakening to regret. I'm going to read this to you. If you want to open up your app, if you click the Bible button, it'll take you straight to the story. But I'm going to go ahead and read it to you, and it'll be on the screen. This is what Jesus says. When he came to his senses, the son... He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. 
And there's two parts of the story that, that I want us to focus in on today. And the first is, when he came to his senses. And the second, I will set out and go back to my father. But when the son, when he has this awakening of coming to his senses, the first thing that was longing, there was something longing for more. And I think that we've all experienced that in our lives. And, and for me, sometimes the question is, there's got to be more than just eating meat, working, and watching Netflix. You know, there's got to be more than that sometimes. We have this longing. There's got to be more. There's got to be more purpose and more meaning. But the son, he sets out to a distant land, and he attempts to find this something more. But he finds himself in such a broke situation, he can't even buy a big box from Taco Bell. That's how broke this guy is. And he thinks, I've got to do something different. I've got to change my life. He has this awakening to regret. But then there's a turn in the story, right? As you heard on the video, he came to his senses. And, and I don't know however long it was for him it took for him to wake up. But have you ever been there before at the tail end of a really bad situation, a really bad decision? Uh, maybe your family, your spouse, your significant other, your friends tells you you've made this dumb decision and you just can't face it because you're kind of in denial and you're prideful. But eventually you wake up and it feels kind of like this video. Check this out. wants to race. Race? That's ridiculous. All right, come on. Let's go. Let's go. Put your window down! He wants something. Uh, he's probably drunk. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Terrific. Thank you. <laughs> what a moron. They're going in the wrong direction. You're going to kill somebody. I don't know about you. I, I just love that movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And, and sometimes I, I just felt like John Candy a little bit that everyone's trying to tell me I'm going the wrong way, but I'm too stubborn. I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. I know what I'm, I know what I'm doing. And sometimes you find yourself going the wrong way. And hopefully it doesn't take you 
almost getting ready to get hit by some semis to finally wake up. You know, we can come to our senses and we can look behind the wreckage of our bad decisions and it's okay to be filled with regret because it's an important part of the story for all of us. You know, we can't find our way back to God until we come to our senses and wake up. Check out this video. Uh, I grew up in a, a Christian home uh, with two parents who also grew up in, in Christian families. When I was young, about seven, my, my parents moved to a camp in central Illinois, a Christian youth camp. And that was a really, really cool way to grow up, uh, just surrounded by youth groups and, and Christian kids. And coupled with that, I also grew up in the church, surrounded by a family that uh, didn't just believe it, but they lived it. You know, I had a faith. I saw how it had played out in my family's lives, but I did not have a direction. And I did not have a purpose that I felt like I was being pulled towards or, or called to. Just kind of searching, longing for a fulfillment that it seemed like everybody else in my family had. After, you know, searching from school to church, um, you know, the slopes of Colorado, I think I finally came down to, well, I want to pursue music in some sort. And I had a cousin in Nashville. And... I finally just said, all right, let's go, let's try it. And then I moved down to Nashville just hoping to find music or write or play or, yeah, I wasn't really sure. Um, and just started bartending and waiting tables. Alongside that was, was just a, a life of partying, of pleasure. I mean, just fun. Uh, it was great, I'm not gonna lie, it was a blast. I had a lot of fun, but it's also very unhealthy. It just became continual, just meeting girls and, and drinking. By five years in, I had moments where I laughed at myself and knew, fools do this, you are living like a fool. Probably a year and a half after that, six and a half years in, uh, by that point, it was serious. It was drinking every day as soon as I get up uh, because I would have a horrible hangover. And I was starting to think, this is going to be rough, making it change at this point. Coming to our senses and admitting that we need to start over, we need to change, it's hard, but it's the first step toward a new life. And author Richard Rohr writes this, You cannot heal what you do not acknowledge, and what you do not consciously acknowledge will remain in control of you from within, festering and destroying you and those around you. And many of us know this truth all too well. And maybe today is a wake-up call for some of us. It's time to acknowledge that we're heading in a direction that we don't want to go. The rum springer is over. It's time to come home. And that's the second piece that we'll focus on because the son didn't just come to his senses. He made a decision to go back and set out towards his father. He made the decision to come home. And the second piece of the story is just as critical as the first because what the son did by going back to see his father is what we call repentance. And Whenever I think of that word repentance, I don't think of this story. I think of 
the people with bullhorns yelling that I need to repent or I'm going to go to hell. I think of them talking a lot about my eternal destiny, but I don't think about this story. And, and maybe you're like that too. And I think repentance, it gets a bad rap because of maybe things that you've experienced of people saying that word repent. And I want to set the story a little bit straight of what repentance really means. And in order to do that, we need to really look at that word repent, not just in English and what people have made it to today. We need to look at what does the Bible, what did it really mean? And maybe you, you probably already know this, maybe not. It's a fun fact of the day that the Bible was not written in English originally. It was written in Hebrew, the Old Testament, and mostly Greek in the New Testament. And we're going to look at that word together. I'm going to show you on the screen. Take a look at these two words, metanoia, that's the Greek, and teshuva, which is the Hebrew for this word repent. And metanoia is the Greek word, and we find it in the New Testament, like I said, and teshuva is in the Old Testament. And let me show you what this really means in the original language. Metanoia simply means changing one's mind. And teshuva means to return. And as we read this story, we really get a great picture of what true repentance looks like. It's a two-part thing. It's changing your mind, but also returning to where you came from. And when Jesus tells the story, he says the, the son finally came to his senses and came back to his father. Can we hit the pause button for just a second? Because when you, when you get that little fun fact of the day, it might just be like, oh, okay, whatever, I'm thinking about the Bears game. But I really want us to look at that and realize how that can change our lives, this word repent, to change your mind, to return. Because when I see this word repent after doing this study of what the word really means, I think about my life. I think about a time when freshman year for me in college when I was in a different place than I am today and and I found myself dropping out of college not because of necessarily any wild living but um, long story short I had an injury um, tore my labrum playing baseball in college and I was just really lost and I started you know doing some things that I wasn't proud of and I remember dropping out of college and saying I've got to go home but I don't know if I really have a place there. And it was tough to like come to my senses that this chapter was going to need to change and life was going to be need to be different. And I remember going home and I, I had to have this conversation with my parents and with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. And I had to confess some things and repent and I remember being so scared to death of whether or not they were going to forgive me and they were going to allow me to come home. I can relate when I hear this story. But in, in this story that Jesus tells, when the son comes to his senses and then he sets out to his father, his life has changed forever. And the father's so excited that he came back and by the grace of God, my parents were happy too. And my wife, which was a girlfriend at the time, still loved me. And they forgave me because they realized that they were also the son 
They were not the Father. God is the Father and the one that wants to forgive us all if we would change our minds and return to him. My guess is a lot of us have had to come to our senses at different times and we recognize decisions that may have led us in a different place than we wanted to be and we end up waking up with regret. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it's financial decisions or relational issues or, or some, somewhere in your life you've had regrets and you wake up and you want to do something different. But we, we change our mind, but we're scared to go home. And so what ends up happening is we, we get into this sorry cycle. And we feel really bad for what we do, but we keep doing it. You know, we have this longing for a different life. And we have this regret, but it leads us more to shame and guilt than repentance. And guilt is feeling like I've done something wrong. Shame is I am a failure. I am a piece of garbage. And what will end up happening is if we do not take up God on his offer, that he will show us love and forgiveness and grace, we'll end up in this sorry cycle. But it doesn't have to be that way. It can be different for us. We can return home. Because he will accept us, he will love us, and he has a place for us and a purpose for our life. You know, there's some questions that may be running through your head if you were to return home or someone in your life was to return home. They have those questions. Will you accept me? Will you love me? Will you forgive me? And I pray that if you're asking those questions that you would hear today that, yes, God will accept you. And maybe there's a person in your life that is wondering this, and and maybe today God's saying to you, you need to be the one who prepares a place and accepts them and asks them to come home. Keep asking them to come home. Because with God, there's always a place for you to come home to. You can always come home. You know, I want to talk a little bit about Pascal's wager before we close. And Pascal was the philosopher, Blaise Pascal, a long time ago. He introduced this wager that, that you got last week, if you were here, a poker chip. And it says the wager, and it has a Connect logo. And we asked you to pray a prayer. And the prayer was, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. And I want to add a couple lines to that this week, that God, if you're real, I want, I want to ask you to pray this prayer maybe later or just whisper it to yourself right now. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the possibility that with you, I could start over again. That's the prayer this week. Check out how Jake prayed this prayer and how God changed his life. I was pretty functional uh, considering went to work and maintained this I party every night kind of attitude and I partied openly every night so that when people would smell down me the next day it was normal because well I parties every night I was at my sister-in-law's house uh, checking on their house they were in South America uh, for his work and I was drinking and I just had this totally normal moment of going this has to stop like I I, I have to stop I I will die at some point from this if I don't 
and I couldn't stop that night because I had to work the next three days and I knew it's going to be ugly and I won't, I won't be able to work. I knew after Wednesday night at work, I would have four days off in a row. So I prayed to God that night. I said, God, I need to stop drinking on Wednesday. <laughs> so please keep me safe for the next three days. So that night, Wednesday night, I went back to my sister and brother-in-law's and took my last drink and went to bed. And I would say I woke up four or five in the morning with immediate DTs. This was not a, a day later. This was hours. And I mean, I couldn't see straight, kind of hyperventilating. I'd had one before, so I knew exactly what it was. I'd had the doctor explain it to me. So that started Thursday morning, really early before the sun came up, and that just went all day, all night. Friday, all day, all night. And I should have, you know, been with a doctor, nurse, been at a rehab center, something just to make sure I was okay. But uh, as I was laying there, I just kept remembering this prayer from a book about a Celtic monk that I loved growing up. My dad introduced me to the author. The prayer that he goes to anytime he doesn't know what to do is, Lord, have mercy. And it's just, he repeats it. It just becomes this meditation. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And that's what I did from, from Thursday morning until... Saturday, knowing the whole time and kind of laughing at myself that like, I really don't deserve this, this mercy, this grace, but asking anyway and receiving it. Saturday morning, I think the last DT was around 11 o'clock and I got up and I started drinking water and started keeping water down. And Saturday night, I finally slept, just fell asleep, crashed out and got up the next day and went to church. That was pretty much my first response. Talked to the campus pastor that Sunday morning and said, this is where I'm at. Uh, what, what can I do? Who can I talk to? How can I get connected? You know, Jake's from this area, actually. And when he came back to God, God just radically changed his life and accepted him. He found himself at a church just like Connect that wanted to help people find their way back to God. And he was able to end this sorry cycle. And that's the story for us too. You know, whether we've lived an extreme life or not, uh, we all need to come back home to God. And maybe we did this and it was a life-changing event when we went public with our faith and we were baptized and we started on this journey with God. But we need to be reminded every single day that we need to daily be pursuing God. Because I know for me, and maybe you feel this way too, that when we aren't pursuing God, we can very quickly go on to a little rumspringa. And we can drift and drift and drift. And I want to tell you a story that kind of illustrates it a little bit. But the bottom line is that with God, you can always come home. There's a story from a book written by the author Philip Yancey. He's one of my favorites. And I read this story in college, and it really changed my life. And I hope that it'll mean something to you. Here's how it goes. Her name was Krista, and she grew up on a small cherry farm in Traverse City, Michigan. 
She was a wild child who dismissed her parents as old-fashioned because of how they responded to her piercings and tattoos. And one night, Krista and her parents had a huge fight. And at the end of it, she slammed the door and said, I hate you, and then acted on a plan that she'd had for a while. And she ran away. She ran away to the big city of Detroit. And within a few hours of arriving there, she met a man who seemed warm and nice. And he drove the most expensive car she'd ever seen. And he was willing to take her in. And this nice man, he taught her a few things that would make her valuable on the streets. And because Krista was young, she brought in top dollar for her services. But as time went on and she got a little older, she wasn't bringing in top dollar anymore. And so she was thrown out on the street with no money and a drug habit to support. And the blood will dry underneath my nails and the wind will rise up to fill my sails so you can doubt and you can hate but I know no she thought back to those sunny spring days when she would be lying beneath the cherry trees and realizing that renting her body on the streets of Detroit was no way to live she decided she would head north maybe move to Canada and start over but on her way north she figured she'd try something that she had she didn't think there was any chance of actually working and she mustered up enough courage to give her parents a call but no one answered she left a message, though, telling them she was going to be passing through Traverse City on her way to Canada. And if they wanted to see her, she would be at the bus station around midnight. After hanging up, she thought leaving the message was a stupid thing because odds were they were happier now that she was gone. And as the bus headed north, she could see the signs saying the bus was getting closer to Traverse City. And she ran through the possible scenarios in her mind. Nobody there to meet her. Someone there, but only to shame her and condemn her. And finally, the bus arrived in Traverse City, and she heard the bus driver say, 15 minutes at the stop, 15 minutes.
mental rehearsing didn't prepare her for what she found when she stepped off the bus. At midnight in the small town bus depot, she walked and she found dozens of familiar faces belonging to aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, and they were all wearing silly party hats. There was a huge banner hanging from the walls that said, Welcome home, Krista. And her dad broke through the crowd and ran up to her. And as she tried to explain herself and apologize, he wrapped his arms around her and he made it clear that all he cared about was that his daughter was home. think that story is so powerful is because it's not only Chris's story, but it's my story and your story. It's our story. And God wants us to know that we can always come home. And it's okay to regret, but regret is not meant to lead us to shame. God wants it to lead us to repentance. You know, God wanted so badly for us to come to this realization that we could come home and that he sent his son Jesus to earth to live for us, to show us how to live, but then to die on a cross saying, this is how much I love you. And when he died, he not only stayed in the grave, but he rose again to show us the type of life that we can have with him, a new life. With God, you can always go home. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for the story of the lost son. God, even more than the story, I thank you that it's real, that it's a picture of who you are in our lives and how you realize that, man, we have these longings. We have these regrets But you didn't leave us alone to fulfill them by ourselves. You provided a way to fulfill them. Truly, you gave us purpose. You've given us forgiveness. God, you've shown us that we can come back home. Thank you for never giving up on us, God. Thank you for throwing a party when we do repent and we find our way back to you. I pray that this would be all of our stories. I pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.